In Galatians 6, uh, verse 9, it says, and don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened. You know, sometimes we just allow ourselves to be discouraged. We just allow ourselves to be discouraged by meditating on wrong thinking and getting focused on the wrong things. So the Bible says, don't, God says, don't allow yourself to be discouraged. You know, King David, when he was in a very bad situation, uh, he'd gone out on a raiding party, and when he came back, uh, this other raiding party had come and took not only all their stuff, but took all their wives and all their children. I mean, they took everything. And they came back, and then his men turned on him and turned against him and wanted to kill him. And he, they said he went in his tent and stirred himself up. Sometimes you just got to stir yourself up. And how do you do that? Uh, we're going to talk about uh, focusing on the things that you do have, the things that God has already done so that you don't get discouraged down the road. Because when we forget what he's done and we don't remember, how did David stir himself up? Well, I think he went in the tent and said, God, I've killed a giant. I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. I've done, you've done all this. I, you know, you've done all this for me and that for me. And he stirred himself up. He said, God, you'll do something about this too. And God gave him a battle plan. They not only went out and got, uh, got all their stuff back, but not one hair on their wives or their children had been touched. They got all that plus all the stuff that raiding party had gotten. They, they got double triple of what they had I mean they got blessed why because David kept himself stirred up by remembering what God had already done and being thankful for what he had done and so it says and don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened or discouraged in planting good seeds for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming <coughs> excuse me is coming whose promise is that that's God's promise you know, farmers, when they put seeds in the ground, they don't see anything, and they water and fertilize, and they don't see anything for a long time, but they know. They know that eventually there's going to be a blade. The Bible says first the blade, then the plant, then the harvest, that you've got to wait and, and, and be patient. You know, the Bible says faith, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That, that's when you have faith that you planted that seed and you planted those things and that there's going to be a there's going to be a harvest coming because God promised. God said, whosoever plants whatsoever, what they sow is exactly what they'll reap. So when you sow that in relationships, you sow that in, in finances, you sow that in your job, you sow that into other people's dreams, you sow serving each other. The Bible says you've got a harvest coming back in return. But we've got to keep our eyes on the harvest and the promises of God. He said, don't, don't let yourself get weary. Keep planting seeds in these areas. Keep planting seeds in your children. It'll produce a harvest. But you have to trust God to do it. And you got to keep your eyes on the harvest, on the prize. Like, we know God promised he'll do it. And when you keep your eyes on that, it keeps hope alive inside of you. When you appreciate what he's already done, you appreciate what he's doing, and you keep your eyes on what he's going to do, you'll, you'll stay stirred up in the things of God. Then he says this, take advantage. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. <coughs> excuse me, one of these translations, another translation that verse says, be good to everybody, but especially, especially those in the church. You know, uh, the, the first thing I pray before I come out here, I pray God be honored. The second thing I pray is God encourage your people because that's the priority he gives us. Honor him, 
and then encourage one another. That's why the Bible says keep coming together and encourage one another. As you see the day approaching of the return of Christ, gather, he said, gather more and more to encourage one another. I don't know about you, it really encourages me when you show up. And I'm sure you're encouraged when I show up. That we haven't quit on each other. Amen? It's encouraging to see that usher show up that you see uh, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday. It's, they're encouraged by you showing up. We encourage each other because we're still all hanging on. We're still all believing God for breakthroughs and miracles and, and for the harvest to come. So don't get discouraged. God is doing some stuff right now. He always is. <coughs> I want to talk to you still about embracing Thanksgiving, but there's another thought that came to me as I was preparing this about just putting first things first. Just putting first things first. A lot of times we put first things second, third, and fourth. You know, uh, I, you know, for the longest time I was not a direction reader. So, you know, when you have a bunch of kids, you buy toys that you have to put stuff together, right? And I would just, you know, I would just grab it and start putting stuff together. And Julie would just, like, I'm not even going to work with you on this project. Because she's a step one, step two, step, she puts first things first. And I'm just kind of, I'm like, oh, we can do this. And man, it never turned out good. It just didn't turn out good. You know, they'd get on it and it'd break or something would fall off. And Julie would give me one of those, I told you looks and, or just say it. I told you we should have followed the directions. And so I learned after a while, put first things first, because when you go step one, step two, step three, you don't end up with like 15 screws that you should have had somewhere. Right? You, you put everything together. And it works. And it works the first time. Church family, there, is, there has always been in every generation a battle in people's hearts and minds to keep God first. To put first things first. God talks about first all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. He talks about what is first, what is first, what is first in your life. He always talks about first. He told the children of Israel, bring your first and your best. Bring your first and your best. What did he give us? He gave us his only begotten son, his first and his best. The Bible says Jesus is a type of first fruit. God gave his first and his best to us. He never asked us to do something he hasn't already done. He gave, us the, he gave us the best planet that we've ever discovered in the universe. He gave us his first and his best. And he expects us to give, for us to give him our first and make him first in our life. I'm gonna say this to you. Until that is decided, until that's decided that God's first, you're always gonna be on an uneven foundation. The Bible says there's two types of people, those who are wise and those that are foolish. One builds on a firm foundation, one builds on sinking sand. We all know, I don't know, I remember when Julie and I first moved here 20 years ago, a little over 20 years, that we looked at houses up north. Man, they had gaps in the walls, they had gaps around the foundation because they built it on all that clay out there that contracts and expands up north. And man, those houses, some of them were falling apart. Remember looking at those? And because they built it on sinking sand. You can see buildings going down sunset. They, that used to be a landfill, and they built buildings on top of it, and some of them are tilted. They're sinking down. Why? Because it's, it's not on a firm foundation. But when the foundation, you have to decide in your heart, is my foundation God first 
or is God second, third, or fourth? Because I, I, this is what I know about our God, the God, the one true God. He's first or nothing. He's first or nothing. You know, one of the scriptures says this in Proverbs 14, 27. A friend of mine gave me this scripture. It says, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life, is a fountain of life. And the word fear in Hebrew means to have a profound respect for him with awe and affection, making him the principal thing in your life, the number one thing in your life. Put first things first, and then everything else will go right. A lot of people put, try to put God second and third, and so their life is a roller coaster. Their life is this way, then this way. They're always asking the question, what does God want from me, or what does God want me to do, or how do I get him to move in this area? And what a, can I, I'll answer all those questions for you right now. You put God first, and you decide that he's first in your marriage, not you, not your wife, not your husband. He's first. He's first, not your kids aren't first. I hear people say all the time, I live for my kids. Boy, I tell you what, kids are great to have, but you live for them, you're going to be on a roller coaster ride. You're going to be on the ride of your life. Money's first. People say, my, 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 it's my money. Oh, wow, okay. Then that means God's second. And your money's first. Some people say this, this job is first and this thing is first and going to the lake is first and this is first and that is first. It's okay to do those things, but they, if they're first, you're building a life on sinking sand. You'll never be settled and things will never go exactly the way you want them to. You'll never fulfill the complete destiny of, that God has for you until you decide God is my foundation. He's the principal thing in my life. He is, principal means first. He is first. He is first. First things first. And when you put him first, great things begin to happen. We know in Matthew 6, it says, put my kingdom and I will add everything else to your life. He answers this question over and over again. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 38, he said, he said, listen, if you save your life, you'll lose it. But if you'll give me your life first, you'll gain life. He's constantly saying, if you'll put me first and I'll, you put me first, I'll put you first. You'll be at the front of the line. He said in Deuteronomy 28, I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll put you above and not beneath. I'll bless you in the country and bless you in the city. I'll bless you going in and going out. I'll bless you here and bless you there. I'll bless everything you lay your hands to do if I'm first. He said, if you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do what he says to do, otherwise put him first, he will move on your behalf. And when people put God first, then they're patient. They're patient. They're, they're, they're patient for the harvest we just talked about. God said, through faith and patience, you inherit all the promises of God. When God is first, you trust him, and you say, God, you're first, I trust you. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. He speaks about these principles of him being first. It says in Proverbs 3, starting in verse 5. He says, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. So many people in today's, especially in today's cultures, they're relying on their own opinions. I've had, uh, just the other day, I had someone tell me, well, I don't know what to do. I'm like, the Bible's very clear on what to do here. It's just very clear. Well, what do I do? How do I address this issue? The Bible says, tell the truth in love. So out of the compassion of your heart, tell these people the truth. Well, I, and then he, this person said again, well, I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, 
it's very clear what to do. It's very, God, the Bible's very clear on what to do here. But they kept repeating it. Why? Because that was their own opinion. That was their own thinking. You can either base life on your opinion or you can base it on God's opinion. I don't know about you, but I'm choosing the God who knows everything's opinion. He said, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you. And he will lead you in every decision you make. But the, every decision that you rely on him to guide you, he will lead you. Every decision you won't, he won't. He's a perfect gentleman. God's a gentleman. He will not impose his will on you. He'll offer you guidance. You get to choose whether you take it or not. Whatever you commit to him. Whatever you commit to him. He said, if you delight in me, make, make me and my word a delight to you. I'll give you the desires of your heart. And if you'll commit your way to me. Otherwise, you'll commit your ways first to me. I'll bring those things to pass. If you make him first. If you put first things first. So when you put God first, you have, there's a peace and a confidence that comes on you. Seriously, when you, when you put God first in an area, we've all experienced it, when we've struggled in areas, and then all of a sudden, we just put him first in that area, there's a peace and a confidence that comes to you. You're like, okay, I know now in my heart, God's first in this area, and there's just like this peace and this confidence that comes like, man, I, I, he's got it. I trust him. I trust whether it's to tomorrow, today, or five years from now, I'll, I'll bear the fruit of this harvest. I'll get the harvest from what God has promised me. Then he says this in verse 6, become intimate with him and whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. He'll lead you wherever you go if you become intimate. If you put him first, I, li I like the word intimate because it's a, there's a, when the, when the Bible says those who know God, that, that knowing is the same word that God used when it said Adam knew Eve. It's an intimacy that goes beyond human intimacy. It's a knowledge of who God is, not just know about him, but you know who he is. There's things that happen. I'm sure we've all experienced this. There's things that happen, and you look, and someone will say, well, God did that, and you go, that doesn't sound like God's character. That doesn't sound like what something God would do. And I've had people tell me, well, God did this. And I'm like, eh, no, he didn't. That's not his character at all to do that. They'll say, God's tempting me. I'll say, no, he didn't. Because he said in James 1, I'm, I don't tempt with evil, nor am I tempted with evil. That's not true. God's not tempting you to sin. He says it's not true. That's not his character. They'll say, God did this to me. I'll say, God didn't do that. Why? Because that's not his character to do those things. People say, well, God's condemned me. And Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. I said, that's not his character to condemn you. He'll convict you, but he will not condemn you. He came to save you, not condemn you. We're already condemned. He doesn't have to remind us of that. He came to remind us we can be saved. We don't have to be condemned. We can be forgiven. Amen? See, that when you know God, when you know somebody, you know, I had someone tell me something the other day that someone said or did, and I'm like, that don't sound like them. That doesn't sound like something they would do. Why? Because I know them. See, when you have an intimate relationship with God, that's how he guides you. You're like, okay, God, this is you, this is not you. How do I know it? Because I know you. I know your character. I know you intimately. We have this relationship where you know me and I know you. Julie and I can finish our sentences together. A lot of times we'll, we'll say something will happen, we'll both say praise God or ah, I can't believe that happened. We'll say it at the same time. Why? Because we know each other. We, we go through these questions 
she went through these questions uh, that you ask about, like, what's your favorite color and what's your favorite flower? If you, had to, if you could go someplace, where would you go? I think, how many questions did you ask me? 15? Huh? Eight, I'm sorry. It felt like, it felt like 15. I was under pressure, Brian. I was under pressure. What's your favorite? I'm like, okay. Felt like 15. No, but I got all eight right. I got all eight right because Julie and I know each other. We know each other. I know what she likes, what she dislikes. She knows me too. I mean, she, she knows me. She knows exactly. I mean, she knows me. And we know each other. And that's how God wants us. He said, when you become intimate with me, I'll begin to direct your past. Why? Because we, we know what God, what, what will God do here? He'll do what he always does. I know him, so I know what to do. That's why it says, if you become intimate with me, I'll start guiding your path. How will he guide your path? You just know what God will do. You don't have to wear a bracelet of what God will do. You'll say, he said what he'll do in his word. I know what he's going to do. Maybe we should get a bracelet like, I know what God will do. He'll do his word every time. And that's what, maybe that's what we should say. Not what, Jesus, not what would Jesus do, but what he already did and what he told us to do. Amen. When you know him, that's why he said at the last, he said, many will call and say to me, Lord, Lord, he'll say, I never knew you. You know, it's like saying, I know Michael Jordan 6'6". Six, six. I know he ran a 4'3". I, I know all the stats. I know where he lives. I know his address. And someone will think, well, you know, you know Michael Jordan? No, I don't really know him. I just know about him. Listen, you can't know about God and get into his heaven. He wants to have a relationship with you. He's already extended his hand to you. He's waiting for you to extend your hand back. He loved us first. You know, he said, I love you first. You know, when you're in a relationship, the one that crosses that line first sticks its necks out. I mean, they should, you stick your neck out. Like, oh, uh, you know, I wanted to tell Julie I loved her, and man, I just, I couldn't bring up the nerve to do it. So I just put her on the spot, and I said, hey, do you, do you, do you love me? <laughs> you want to know how to do that? That's how you do it. And she's like, but, 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 um, she's like, if I say no, then he's not gonna, he's gonna, it's gonna hurt his feelings. If I say yes, then I have to say it first. I just stood there and looked at her. And she said, well, yes, I love you. I said, okay, good. Listen, the, the person that says it first is vulnerable. Jeez, God said, I love you first. He, he said it without thinking twice. I love you first. Now it's our turn to respond. Our response should be, you know what, God? You put us first because you gave us your very best and your very first to die for us. Now I'm gonna put you first. I'm gonna put first things first in my life. And I'm gonna build a life on a foundation. God, you're first. What do I do in this marriage relationship? Let's go ask God. What do I do with that money? Let's go ask God. What do I do here? Let's go ask God. Where do I live? Let's go ask God. Why? Because he's first. He's not second, he's first. I don't give him, I don't give my opinion and get, then ask God what his opinion is. Let's go to God first and say, God, what's your opinion? I wanna do what you say, amen? And when we put him first, great things happen. Look, look down just a little further in Proverbs 9 and 10, it says this. This is powerful. Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then he said this, then every dimension of your life how would you like God moving in every dimension of your life? Well, you just got to put him first. It's that simple. 
He said, then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. So he said, I'm not just gonna take care of the outside. I'm gonna take care of your inside too if you put him first. If you put him first, there's a peace, there's a calm, there's a confidence that comes with that that you know, man, I've got God first and because I got God first, he's got my back, he's got my back, he's got my back, he's got my back and he's got my front and he's got my left side and he's got my right side. God has me in the palm of his hand. God's got me and I trust God. When you put him first, blessings come. When you put him first, Colossians 3.17 says, when you put him first, when you put him first, oh my gosh, he'll establish you and fill you. How do you put him first? You become thankful. You thank him first. You thank him first for everything in your life. That's how you, that's how you do it. Go with me to Exodus uh, chapter 20. If you can put that on the screen for us, please. Exodus chapter 20, verses two and three. It says this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Let me say something to you. That's, he's saying that not just to them, but Egypt and the house of bondage is a, is a direct cor- correlation with God taking us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light to the promise. This is a foreshadowing of what he was going to do for everybody who wanted it. For everybody. This is salvation is what he's talking about. Next verse, verse 3. Thank you. You shall have no other gods before me. God established our relationship with him right off the bat. He's, come on, he's first. That's it. That's it. The next verse talks about don't make any idols to worship. Listen, you won't. You, you will fulfill all the rest of the Ten Commandments if you do the first one. If you, take the, if you put first things first and you put God first, you won't worship anything else. You won't give your thanks to anything else or anyone else for all the good things in your life. You'll worship God and worship God alone if you put him first. You'll honor your parents. You'll not lie. You'll not murder. You'll not do those things that come if you just put first things first. He put that first because he knows if you put this first, everything else will be taken care of. But if you don't put him first, you're building a life on a sinking foundation. It is amazing our capability as human beings to think that we know better than God knows. It's amazing the arrogance that it takes to say, you know what, this God thing, this church thing, this Bible thing, ah, whatever. I know what I'm doing. Wow. All the evil, damage, and hurt in this world is from that thought that somehow we are first and not God. We have to understand that our priorities have, and the choices we make have an impact on others. When we put God first, it has a great impact on them. When we prioritize, we prioritize things in our life, <coughs> excuse me, and we prioritize God first, we, we have that, that what's, that's what gives us personal integrity and discipline. That's what we're recognizing when we do that, that there are ripples in the water from choices and decisions we make as human beings, that we don't live on an island, that every decision we make impacts somebody else. It impacts somebody else. So when you put God first, you're recognizing that your life has an impact. It might have a small ripples in the water or big ripples in the water, but it has an impact on somebody else. And when you put God first, you're recognizing that. 
it, man, when you do that, everything in your life will start to begin to have order and discipline and personal integrity. Everything will fall into place when you put first things first. One of the things God wants us to put first is, is, is thanking him that for every good and perfect thing in our life, we thank him. And we talked about in Luke 17 that when you thank him, he brings healing. The story of the 10 lepers, the one that came back, he, got, he was made whole. Unlike the others, they experienced healing from leprosy. But the one who came back and thanked Jesus, the one out of the, he, Jesus said, where's the other nine? Only one came back. But the one that came back, he was made perfectly whole physically and he was saved spiritually. He was made whole. Whereas the others might have experienced healing power and the leprosy gone, they weren't made whole. Why? Because they were not grateful. They were not thankful for the things. They couldn't get wait, wait to show themselves to the priest and get back to their old life where they put themselves first. Whereas this one man recognized, oh my gosh, God is first. He ran back and said, before I go show myself to the priest, before I return to my family, before I go back and get a job, before I'm allowed back in society, I'm going to put first things first. God is first. And we saw healing power manifested because God is first, when he made God first. We also read uh, about the deliverance of Jonah in Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. If you can put that up for me. 7 through 10, it says this, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. What is that reference? He stirred himself up in the Lord. He stirred himself up. What did he stir himself up about? All the things God had already done in his life. He began to, he began to remember what the Lord had done. He said, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. It says, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. He's like, God, you're first. Everything else is a worthless idol. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of, and I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Next verse. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You want to be delivered from something? Put God first and begin to thank him. That'll turn everything around. This is super. He's in the belly of a fish. He's been swallowed by a fish. In the middle of the ocean. Yet he began, he remembered. God is first. He began to thank God. And God, he vomited, that fish vomited, it vomited him out where he was supposed to be in the first place. That, this is why I know, no matter how dark it's been, no one can be darker than in the belly of a fish in the middle of the ocean. Being digested. You can imagine what he looked like when he was vomited out. God, you imagine this, how Jonah smelled? Like, Jonah, we want to hear what you have to say, but first, take a bath, dude. You smell like fish, fish guts. And so he's, he's, he's vomited out there, and God put him right back on his destiny. So no matter how dark it's gotten, if you'll turn to God and become thankful for what he's already done and what he's doing in your life, then you'll get vomited out into your destiny. Some of you will literally be, it'll, it'll be like, I'm coming out of this garbage into a place where God has called me to be. That's how good God is. When you embrace putting him first and you embrace being thankful to God. You want to stop being discouraged. Anybody wants, wants to get rid of despair and discouragement and, and depression out of your life? Begin to thank God every day for what he's already done. I was talking to someone last night. Uh, a relative of mine, 
enjoyed this conversation with him. But one of the things I told him is I said, listen, you got a, I said, do you have a paycheck? Yep. You got a roof over your head? Yes. You got food in your belly? Yes. I said, then you need to be, you know Jesus as Lord? Yes. You're going to heaven? Yes. Oh, you got everything you need to be thankful right now. Don't get so far out ahead of yourself that you, you worry about what you don't have. Just be thankful for what you do, and then God will take care of what you don't. That's exactly how it works. Yeah, that, praise God. We're not going to turn there, but in John 11, 41, 43, and 44, we saw Jesus give thanks. He said, thank you, Father, you've heard my prayer, and he brought Lazarus from the dead. Resurrection power comes from being thankful. Jesus sets this example. Then right here in Mark chapter 8, he does the same thing. So before he, he called Lazarus from the tomb, he said, thank you, Father. And then in Mark chapter 8, this is where he's talking to the crowd, and they brought him uh, five loaves and two fish, not, not, not nearly enough to feed anybody that was there. I mean, there were 5,000 men, let alone women and children, probably 15,000, 20 people. They got five loaves and two fish. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus instructed the crowd to sit down on the grass after he took the, or the seven loaves here. Seven loaves, he gave thanks to God, broke them, and started handing them to his disciples. They kept distributing the bread until they had served the entire crowd. <coughs> we know Jesus did that twice. He did that twice, two different crowds. Each time he gave thanks. <coughs> what happened there? Multiplication. The Bible promises 30, 60, and 100-fold return. You know what happens? A lot of people sow, but a lot of people don't thank God for the harvest, and they don't thank God for multiplication. They don't even thank God for the seed that he gave them to sow. And because they're not thankful for the seed, they never get the harvest. But when you're thankful for the seed, God said he'll multiply the harvest. I don't know about you. I like multiplication. I like multiplication in God's kingdom and not in Satan's kingdom. So I'm not going to sow seeds in that kingdom. I'm going to sow seeds in God's kingdom because I put him first. And how do you water that seed? Thank you, God. He said, don't worry about anything. He said, don't be anxious or worried about anything. But in all things, pray, supplicate, and he ends with this. And and with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. What is the thanksgiving part? God, I've prayed about this. I've specifically prayed about these issues. That's the supplication. Prayer is general prayer. Supplication is specific prayer. And then now, how do I water that seed? God, thank you for the answer. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you for what you've already done. I've killed the giant, the bear, and the lion. God, thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what I have now. And thank you that your promise is true, that you'll multiply it into my future. Thank you. Oh, I like this one. Second Chronicles 20. Oh, this one's so good. This one's so good. Now, the children of Israel have been under attack by these armies. And this is what God does. He said, now when they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. What did God do? He said, praise and worshipers, you lead the army today. Go give thanks to God. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was a drum player or whatever, I'd be like, huh? What about the guys with the spears and the chariots leading this thing? 
But he said, oh, no, not today. You know, you've seen those movies, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War. They play the drums, you know, playing the drums. And, you know, how, those little boys, they usually at the time of attack, they send those, those guys in the back. Now, how would, how would they like it if they said, oh, today, all you guys with the drums, you go out in front. You charge first. God said, I'm going to show you a spiritual principle here. That when you come with praise and worship, when you come with a true attitude of thanksgiving, watch what I do. He defeated, he caused them to turn on each other and they destroyed each other. They didn't have to lift a finger. Now, verse 25, or 25. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them the, an abundance of valuables of, on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry. More than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Man, when you come out, when you come out praising and worshiping and truly have a heart of gratitude towards God of what he's already done, you really trust him to fight your battles. This is how he fights. He turned them against each other. They destroyed each other. And the children of Israel, instead of fighting a battle, they laid down their swords and their spears and their, their shields, their, their musical instruments. And all they began to do was pick up spoils. They couldn't carry it all. Took them three days to carry it. So what's happening here? The, the story ends with a great victory. But before the victory, they were in a very dark place. Lazarus was in it. He was dead. Jonah was in the belly of a well. The lepers were sick. They had leprosy. Every time these examples, there wasn't enough bread and fish. They're facing three armies that they can't possibly defeat physically. And every time in these dark places, they begin to thank and praise God. And that moved miracles on their behalf. Church family, we need to learn the lesson. When you face situations where you don't have enough, you're not enough, your enemies outnumber you three to one, when you're in the darkest places of your life, if you'll begin to thank the Lord, when everything seems like it's dying around you, you begin to thank God, you begin to praise and worship him, watch him breathe life into that situation. Most people go the opposite. They go dark. God's saying, I don't want you to go dark. I want you to turn to me and run to me in the darkness and watch me light up that darkness. Watch me turn these situations around. Every morning I wake up, I thank God. I thank God for, I, I look around and say, God, I thank you for my my family, I thank you for the church. I thank you for my home. I thank you for that I can get up and I got I have food in the fridge. And I thank you, God, for my job and my paycheck. I thank you, God, for yes, I get a paycheck. Just so you know, I have bills to pay. I have six kids and a wife. I got bills to pay. But uh, yeah, but you know, guys, I just begin to thank him. I thank him for healing my family. Uh, I thank him for healing our church family. I think I just I, before I get out of bed, I'm all. I thank him for all, everything he's done, everything he's doing, everything he's gonna do. 
That, that needs to be our example. Why? Because when you choose God first, in the middle of darkness, in the middle of difficulties, that's when you begin to thank him and praise him and worship him the most. Satan will tell you the opposite. Quit going to church, it's not working. You're in darkness, this is bad happened, and this is bad, and that's bad, and this bad, and this is, and the government's doing this, and they're doing this, and that's happening, and this is happening. He wants to get your eyes completely off of God because so, he knows, he's seen all these things happen right here. He's witnessed what God has done for his people when they, in the middle of their toughest moments, begin to thank and praise and worship him and won't back down. To me, thanking and praising God in the middle of a, a, a tough spot is you saying, I'm not backing down. These circumstances aren't bigger than my God. I'm not gonna back down, God. I'm gonna trust you that no matter what happens here, you turn everything around for my good. Everything's gonna turn out right. One way or another, you turn it around for my good. You'll multiply it. You'll do this. You'll do that. You'll help, help me. Do not turn to the darkness. Do not turn to discouragement, fear, and worry. Do not turn to that. Do not turn to quitting and giving up. Man, the people who turn there, their life always goes downward. The people who turn to God because they've already made a decision that they built their life on this foundation. God, no matter what, you're first. When you build a foundation like that, Oh, my goodness. You'll, you'll get through over the top of and get past every dark moment of your life. And if you get to a place where you really, from your heart, can begin to thank and praise God and walk in the peace and confidence that you know God's word is true, you'll start to see miracle breakthroughs that we sing about. I don't like just singing about them. I, I like living them. Amen? I don't want to sing somebody else's song either all the time. Man, you split the sea, you did this. Yeah, praise God for that. That's, my, that's our relatives he did that for. I'm grateful. But you're, the stu you're still the sea splitter now. You healed them, you're still the healer now. You multiplied that, you're still the multiplier now. You, ra you raised Lazarus from the dead, you're still the one who can raise things from the dead now and people from the dead, not just things. I believe God for all of that. He did it then, he's, not, he's unchanging He's unchanging. What he did for them, he'll do for us if we'll have the same attitude. If we'll embrace being thankful. Uh, well, that's how I ended in all the other services. So I'm going to end right there. We got a couple more to talk about, about embracing Thanksgiving. And just, just having that attitude. Man, I'm going to be thankful, 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 thankful for what I do have. I'm going to be thankful for what God's done. I'm going to be thankful for what I have. And then I'm going to thank him for what he's going to do. And he'll honor that. He will honor that. I don't know about you. I want to see those breakthrough, miracle. Ah, oh, we need them. Hey, I want to welcome John and his wife back to church. John Lujan, thank you. Good, good to have you back in church. That's a miracle right there. And all those watching online that are in the hospital, whether it's Glenn or Donnell, all of you, man, whatever, whoever's watching this, man, we, we say the same thing that we spoke over John. In the name of Jesus, just like he spoke to the paralytic, we speak over you. In the name of Jesus, pick up your mat and go home and be healed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God for victories. Listen, every eye closed. You, you, man, uh, wow. I don't know if John knows how many times they said, Oh, uh, no, it's not going to happen. And here he is today.
Because God's always got the final say if you will give him the final say. His wife is a trooper just like Ashley's a trooper. They're like, God, you have the final say. No one else has the final say but you. Arliss is a trooper. All these, man, God has the final say if he's first. And he wants to speak good things. And when he speaks, it, it, he just doesn't speak it. It happens. And he put us first. He said, I'm going to give you my first and my best because I put you first. He, this is what Jesus said. He said, if you can take this cup away from me, take it. But he said, but if you can't, I'll drink it. And I'll give my life for these. The very ones that are taking my life, I'm giving. They don't know. They're not taking my life. I'm giving my life. He suffered and died. He's told us to tell his story. His story is that he put us first above himself. God himself stepped out of heaven in the form of his son. And he put us first. He never asked us to do anything he hasn't done already. He asked us to give him in our life the first and the best of us in every area. Because he gave us the first and the best of him. Because he's God, death couldn't hold him down. On the third day, he rose again. And he did all of that because he loved us first. He said there's no greater love than a man would give his life for his friends. He was talking about himself. And teaching us the heart of our Father, the heart of our God. If he put himself first, there'd be no human beings left. Why would he want to witness what he has to witness every day on our planet? He would just come back, end it all. But he's been patient with us. Very patient. Not because he's forgotten, but because he wants everyone that possibly can to go to heaven with us. Because he thinks about us first. Now, if you're here this, this morning, here or online, and you've never prayed and made God first and meant it, you might think, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, he'll help you. If you'll, if you'll make a decision, he'll help you learn how to do that. But you have to make a choice. God, you're first. If you've never done that, you want to. And when you make him first, you, you accept his forgiveness of all your sins. He forgives you. He takes you out of the kingdom of darkness and puts you in the kingdom of light. When you die, you don't go to hell, you go to heaven. He replaces all the ugly things and he begins to heal those, those wounds and yeah you might bear scars from it but they will be wounds no more wounds no more he'll heal your wounds 
and the brokenness in your life. The rejection, abandonment, all the things you might have felt and experienced. That's who he is. That's, that's the God I serve and we serve. That's why we serve him. Because he's so good. If today's the day that you make a decision, you've been looking, you've tried many things, uh, but this is what you were really looking for, was God. He put it in each human being to look. He just won't make you decide. Your choice is God first. Your choice. If you say, yeah, okay, I get it. I've tried it my way. I've put a lot of things first, including myself and others and this and that. And nothing satisfies. I see that God must be first. I, I see how much he loves me. I see he gave his life for me. And I want to get that right. Well, we want to pray with you. Pray just means ask. We're going to lead you in a prayer of asking him. And he's going to receive you into his kingdom today if you ask from your heart. If you mean it. So if you've never prayed that, we want to pray with you right now. Or maybe you've prayed. You've gotten distracted. You put some other stuff first. And you know that's not going to work out. It hasn't been working out for you. You just want to come home. We want to pray with you too. So if it's your first time or your next time, let's pray right now. Online, I'm going to ask you right now if you're going to pray with us. God's dealing with your heart where you're at. This could be on Thursday, Friday. could be a week from now, two weeks from now. Listen, God's still dealing with your heart. Pray this with us. If you're, if you're on right now, send us a message saying, hey, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Right now, send that. In this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. It's important that you acknowledge God, that you need him. And then we're all going, right where we're see, uh, seated, we're going to pray. Right where we're seated. No strings attached. So send that online and right here in this room. One, two, three. Put your hand up so I'm going to get right with God before I leave here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All around the room, thank you. Wow. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Just jump in here. Put your hand up. It's okay. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Come home. Thank you. This is a destiny-changing moment if you'll put God first. Change your life forever. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's pray, church, right where we're seated. No one moving around right here. Let's all pray this with those that raise their hand and those online. Say, God, I believe you are God. In God alone. And I believe you first loved me and you sent Jesus to die for my sins on the cross. And you raised him from the dead. You did all of that to save my life. And because I believe that, I ask you to forgive me by the blood of Jesus of all my sins.
and I receive your forgiveness. Jesus, I say to you, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. You are first. And I thank you now for the Holy Spirit that lives within me and teaches me how to live with you first in every part of my life. And I thank you for having mercy on me, for the blessings I have, what you've done, what you did right now, and what you're going to do. Thank you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for our good He's good.